Greetings in Jesus' name to everyone here this morning. Glad to see a few visitors here. It's a pleasure to worship with fellow believers here at the peak this morning. I enjoyed that. It's always nice to see children get up and sing and smile at the same time. In fact, I believe it's actually able to worship with a smile on your face, even though sometimes I've been accused of not being able to do that myself. But it's nice to, well, you know, if we have that peace of Jesus, it shows through. And that's a tremendous blessing. And so it's a joy to meet with y'all here this morning. Joy the Sunday school class, even though... Uh, I think the Sunday school teacher didn't think the ones responded very well. I still enjoyed the thoughts and the encouragement there. It's always nice to meet with other believers that want to serve the Lord. The Lord laid uh, very vividly a message on my heart earlier this week. You might think it has something to do with um, the refugees, but it doesn't. <laughs> and yet it does apply. Uh, so, But it's, it's just wonderful how the Lord leads and and directs our thoughts and steps, and you know, and, I, and I'm, I'm expecting this message to be a real encouragement to you. It's always nice when you have a fire for the Lord to get a little gas on your fire, and so I hope this is uh, the way it works for you. The title of the message is The Church Coming to Maturity, and I'd like to start by looking at Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 16. Ephesians 4. Starting at verse 11. <clears throat> and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some te- and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. You know, I think every Christian wants to grow in Jesus. I think we look forward to mature, uh, growing and becoming more mature. You know, it, it would be a sad day uh, when, we, we, when we don't want to grow, when we don't want to mature. And, you know, and yet, even though we do want to grow, we do want to mature, I think it's very good and healthy to always have a cradle roll in the church. In other words, infants coming into the church. Because that's the way we come into the church. We come infants. But, you know, we don't want to stay infants. You know, 10 years later, you don't, want to, you don't want to be rocked in the cradle. You know, that's okay for a year or two. But, you know, you're glad when your children can get out of the cradle and start walking on their own two feet. And you see some maturing and growing. And you know, that's always what we want as far as Christians. And yet that, that's quite a journey. You know, that, that, means, uh, that means we get to be blessed by hearing and being inspired by other people. And so uh, I picked out four points out of this passage. And I'd like us to look at here this morning. And uh, you, know, you might look at there and say, well, you know, I'm not called to be a prophet. I'm not called to be an evangelist. Am I called to be a pastor? 
you probably are called to be a teacher. Maybe not, but I've found very few people that can't teach uh, the Word of God that aren't that are actually sold out to Jesus and want to do what's right. It's not that high criteria uh, of being a good teacher, and yet, and yet. You know, so, but I found out another level. Let's look at 1 Corinthians. You might say you're not one of these, but uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 14, and then verse 18. 12, verse 14 says, For the body is not one member, but many. Verse 18, And now hath God set the members, every one in, of them in the body, as he has pleased him. Now, I'm glad the body has a lot of parts. And I'm glad that each Christian here is an important part of that body. You know, uh, if you didn't have feet to, uh, to bring mobility to the body, it would be a bad day. Uh, and if you didn't have uh, hands to help initiate the situation, uh, to help give out things, uh, you know, hands can go both ways. You can help do it. I've been around some people that have their hands this way. You know, they're like, well, I'm not sure if their fingers are going this way, but that's the way it feels. You know, they're wanting things. And uh, that isn't, uh, uh, maybe on a bad day, that's okay, because we want cheerful givers, because as we give, we want people to cheerfully receive. But, you, uh, but we want to be those that help. You know, I, I've thought about, well, uh, how about the nose? You know, is there enough nosy people in your church to suit you? Uh, are you one that other people might say uh, have the gift of a nose? Well, you know, a lot of your air comes in through your nose. And uh, you can smell things that smell good. And, uh, you know, nose has its attributes, I'm finding out. Uh, they can have that good side. We think of nosy nose as pretty negative, you know, uh, and I'm not suggesting that nosy people aren't negative, okay? I'm just saying there's some attributes to that. They can, they can uh, sense things. You can smell things. And that's a blessing. That's a blessing to have a passageway to be able to breathe because we would become a little less productive if we stopped breathing. And so we got to remember that God has made you to be a member in this body uh, to be a real blessing. you got an asset. There isn't anybody that's a child of God that can't bring a blessing to the kingdom of God. There's none. And I, I'm just so glad of that. So, in other words, the first point is, be useful. In other words, be useful. Well, and also to go beside that, be available, okay? Now, that might have to do with this upcoming meeting here coming up, because we want to be useful. You know, uh, God has given you a gift, and, it, and it's always a blessing, and, and you know, Aren't you glad everybody aren't just all one part of the body? You know, you might think, well, my part isn't that important, and it's not as showy, and, uh, you know, or it's not as commended, but, you know, it's needed. Your blessing, the part that you can contribute to this body is important. It always is. It's very important. And... Uh, so uh, we had, if you read Matthew 25, you read the parable of a man that gave a certain uh, five talents to some man and three to another man and one to another man. He went off a long way and he come back and the five, the one that had given five, it was so productive in using his abilities, he had five more. 
And the one that had three, he had three more. And the one that had one decided, you know what? Hmm. I only have one. No, I didn't say that. Okay, I'm just assuming how he felt. Because he said some negative things about his boss. And then he said, you know, he just, he didn't use it. God had some strong words for the one that didn't use it. Basically said, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Have you seen that? I've seen that. If you don't use your gifts, you lose it. And so he's saying, look, you know, you think, well, that's kind of scary. I know of a man <clears throat> that come to a church and he couldn't, he couldn't teach. He, he just, at his church, he, he just didn't teach. He couldn't teach. And uh, that church asked him to teach anyhow. And he evidently put a fair bit of pressure on him because he got to teaching a little bit. You know what? He's an excellent teacher today. He's an excellent teacher. You know why he's an excellent teacher? Because he's willing to teach the first time. He was willing to be usable. That's why. I know of a man a few years ago that had to give devotions at a big congregation. <clears throat> and it gave him intestinal problems. And he, he couldn't hardly stand it. And he, but he went ahead and gave devotions. And it, of course, he was appointed superintendent. He didn't want to. He would have chosen never to do that. And uh, he was willing to do that even though it was really tough. He couldn't monologue. He was poor at it. And, and uh, it was just terrible hard on him. And, but then he had to do it four years straight. Four years straight. He was like, again, after a number of years, he was ordained preacher. And, you know, he... My, I don't want to give an evaluation of his preaching. <laughs> but uh, he, he made it. After a while, his wife started encouraging him, you don't need to preach all too long because, uh, you know, you can't say everything the Bible says on a certain subject. <laughs> you know, and I've been told that by my father. And uh, he was right. And so, you know, but if that, if that man wouldn't have been willing to give devotions, you know what? He wouldn't be standing behind the pulpit today. And that makes the world difference. Just, and so, you know, I just encourage you timid ones, you weren't the first one that was timid. You weren't the first one that felt like you can't do it because I think it's a trick of the devil. I actually think it's a trick of the devil uh, to, to put ourselves down and say, I can't do that. You know, I just, uh, you know, I don't want to do that. You know, we sing, one talent have I to take to the sky. Well, God help us. As I look out here, I see so many talents. I just wonder what God thinks. You know, he's given us, in this body, give us so many wonderful talents and wonderful gifts to be a contribution and an asset. And he's saying, you know what? You know what? You know your neighbors have need. You know your brothers and sisters have need. Be useful. Be available. Go to it, you know. I mean, what is most important? Yes, be available. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. God's given you a gift for a reason, probably two or three or four. And you know what? We got to always remember I'm accountable for the gifts he's given me. And he wants you, us, to grow them, nurture them, use them in this body to grow his kingdom. What a beautiful opportunity we have to do that. Now, the second one thought is that back in Ephesians 4 is verse 12 and 13.
where it says, till they all come together in the unity of, excuse me, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith, and the knowledge of the Son of God, and to the perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And uh, so we use our gifts to edify the body <clears throat> for the perfecting of the saints. And that means, uh, that's interesting, for, for the perfecting of the saints means the complete furnishings. I think that's beautiful. Now, uh, my wife, you know, we, we, we have people in for meals fairly often, and we, love, we enjoy that. And you know what? If you sit there and you come up to that meal and there wasn't no plates on the table, you'd be missing something. You'd wonder what it was going, what kind of meal it was going to be. You know, and, I, uh, and so it's, it's part of the complete furnishings to, real, to realize that your gift, your talent that you have makes a complete furnishing for the, the use of work of God in this church is beautiful. It's beautiful. It brings value to your life. It brings value to the thing, uh, the, the, the blessing that God has given to you that you can use. You might have to push yourself. In fact, I found out most gifts, uh, they're only natural once you've used them a while and get them going. <laughs> and you start getting comfortable, a little bit more comfortable. Complete furnishings, perfecting of the saints there. Beautiful. Yes, for the work of the ministry of service for others, uh, being served, uh, Willing to be, serve others and to do whatever you can to walk beside them. Uh, this body functions well because they because they care about each other, and and it has the results. Acts nine thirty one says, "Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified." And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, were multiplied. This kind of church, and I gotta say, your kind of church, I'm not trying to say you aren't doing this, this is just put gas on your good doings, uh, is the kind that love each other, and when people come and visit, and, and you encourage them to come to your church, what you, what you really need to do, and this is what we like to do, they come and they love to come to church, because they know Jesus' love is being manifested there. Jesus' love is working through your hearts. And, and it shows in tangible ways. You're willing to sacrifice evenings. You, you, you go visit them and you have them in for meals. You know, you're doing things to, to expand the body, the kingdom of God, and encourage, to be encouragers. Yes, edifying. Edifying is used in verse 16 and also verse, uh, verses 29 of this passage where it says, I'll read the last half of verse 16, making increase of the body into the edifying of itself in love. Also, verse 29, where it says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may administer grace unto the hearers. You know, the church could always use a few more encouragers. And, and I'm sure you do good at that. You know, uh, encourage parents, encourage school teachers, encourage church leaders, 
encourage Sunday school teachers. You know, how natural is it for us to say, hey, brother, thank you for the good job done. That's an encourager. I tell you, you know, encourage uh, song leaders. Encourage willing workers. <laughs> the list just goes on and on. You know, encourage people to be encouragers, okay? Because it, it's a blessing. You know, that, 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 that permeates that love. I tell you, when a church is doing that, their, their love does grow. It expands. Yes. Another way we encourage one another is, is by praying for them. I'm telling you one of the best ways to encourage your leaders is say, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm telling you, that's solid. That's solid. <laughs> I guess the rest are solid too, okay? But that's just extra special, okay? We are in a battle. You know, and it's a battle, a spiritual battle. We're not an economic club, and I know it's easy to talk about chickens and farming and, and uh, truck driving and whatever. Yeah, but, you know, we're a spiritual, we're a spiritual body. And I, I think it's just wonderful if we're going to build each other up, say, brother, I'm praying for you. Brother, you don't need to say that just to, to church leaders. We need to be praying for each other along the way and on a regular basis. You know, we do have struggles. We do have situations. And... Uh, that, that drag us down sometimes. And when somebody can see that and walk beside us, it's tremendous. That's a real encourager. That builds close brotherhood. That's a real tremendous blessing. Yeah. We need to be those that care about building each other up. It don't take a huge pile of gifts and talents to be an encourager. I think we all can. I think God expects every one of us to be a good encourager. And I'm glad we can do that. Yes, with what results. Romans 14, 19 says, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and the things wherewith one may edify one another. And we build each other in true love. It makes for peace in the brotherhood. It builds each other up in the Lord. And that's what we're here for, to help us be strong in the Lord through a time, an age when compromising and, and uh, lukewarmness can easily be our portion. Yes, we want to have a heart for our brothers and sisters, and we want to help them grow in the Lord. And then there will be more unity of the faith, as it speaks in there. Unity means oneness of belief or convictions. Oneness of belief or convictions. And I'm so glad that we try to do that. Paul, Paul spoke to this again at another place in Corinthians. Where it says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10. It says, one, I think one of the most lovely verses about walking together, close together with Jesus. Okay, together. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. Want to try that for a year? You all speak the same thing. Yes, you're going to speak the same. You know why? We have Jesus as our head and the Lord of our life, and we don't want compromise. We don't want worldliness. We don't want to become materialistic. We don't want to be selfish. And the list can go on and on. You speak the same thing. We're all committed to God. 
We're committed to his ways. And we don't want worldliness. And by the way, if I'm getting it, you talk, speak to me. That's encouraging, right? Can encouragement come in helping me stay true? I think, I hope so. I hope so. We've kind of veered off the path sometimes. I say you, but you know, I, I hear some things being said by, about exhortation. I wonder, in fact, I wonder if they're biblical. You all speak the same thing, okay? Let's say that. <laughs> and there will be no divisions among you. Well, oh, that's beautiful. You know, Mennonites are famous for dividing. And I'm not talking about multiplying. I'm talking about division. Okay, this is the opposite. There's no divisions among you. You know why? They're all speaking the same thing. Okay, we're back to base one. We're following the word. And it don't stop there. The description is, but ye be perfectly joined together. You get these edges. Really, you ought to get 1 Corinthians, verse, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10 and underline it. And read it every day for a month, and it'll do that. It does me a lot of good. That you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now that is that's that's just beautiful beyond description as far as church life. Now I tell you that is working together real close. Real, you have the same mind and the same discernment. You care about the same things. You care about following the Lord. You care about uh, the ways of evil creeping in. When you think about that verse, you will see loads of humility. You know why? Not everything is said I agree with. Not every, you know, and yeah, it might be right. I might, might not be quite there. You see what I mean? You know, I see loads of submission. Now, isn't that the way Jesus said we will glorify him? Yes. You know, because I hear, oh, I don't like it that way. And Jesus says, so what? They, well, I get an opportunity to, to bear my cross. You know, I got the, you know, because other people have wonderful ideas how to serve the Lord. They care about some things I don't care about that I need to care about. Yeah. See, we're talking about being a builder and encourager. We're talking about coming to maturity. We're talking about not excusing my petty problems. No. See, I, I want, we, as a believer, I want to grow. I don't want to stay in the cradle. I want to grow. And even I learn to walk, I want to walk faster and stronger, you know. And that's beautiful. So the Lord is the head of their life. They're following Jesus. They're all speak, and it even trickles down in practical ways where it's touchy. But it's good. Because really, if we all just have the same doctrine but not the same practice, we're not unified. Unified in our walk. And so I am glad that our forefathers saw the wisdom of a brotherly agreement. It's called a rules and discipline. I'm glad for that. I think every good Christian wants to grow is glad for that. Because you know what? We're not unified if you do what you want and they do what they want and I do what I want. You know? That's called disunity and unharmonizing. And it's not, don't bring God glory. See, if we're going to bring God glory... We get to conform to what the brotherhood, we together, we together by the leading of the Holy Spirit feels is a good application for this doctrine. I, I know that God is glorified. I've heard people say, you know, it's amazing you come in, y'all come in there, and you know you come with your individual ideas, and we sure do. And they said, you know what? You blend and you submit to that standard. God is glorified through submission and humility. 
He's not glorified when I just do it my way. What a blessing to be part of brotherhood that's going to speak the same thing day in and day out. They live it. They love it. And they want to build each other up. Romans 12 verse 3 says, For I say that through the grace given unto me, that every man among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. I think that's beautiful. I wonder why God knew that we would struggle with our own opinions. Not to struggle with accepting us, except struggle with feeling like they are what they should be, you know. Well, no wonder Paul used, uh, he talked about wanting to grow into a perfect man. And I think that's a good goal, to be a mature person, a perfect man in Christ Jesus. I really believe that that's a goal that will keep with you all the days of your life. I don't believe, I've never seen a real godly person, even when they're 80 or 90, say, I've arrived. I've just arrived. (laughs) You never see it. Because uh, in Christ Jesus, there's always room to grow. (laughs) Praise God! Keeps that aspiration. I want to be more like Jesus. Yes, no wonder it says in Colossians 1, verse 28, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, maturing and growing in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful brotherhood that is. Next point, stability in the Lord, being stable, be stable. Verse 14 <clears throat> says, and we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to be deceived. Uh, the Bible, Jesus extolled being like children in certain areas, but not in uh, biblical principles. Uh, actually, to be in the originalist means a simple-minded person, an immature Christian. Is what it means. Now, you know, not, no Christian really wants to be there, but when, but it's easier to get there than you might think. In other words, it's when I, when, 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 I, when God is speaking to me, regardless how it is, whether it's Sunday school through a sermon or from, through my daily devotion or through my brother's encouragement, you're speaking to me, and I reject that. Proverbs would say that's a simple-minded person. The Bible says it's pretty easy for me to be simple-minded. It actually goes, well, if I don't like it, if I excuse where I've been, and if they don't know what we're talking about, that's what we do. We kind of have those things, and then we become simple-minded, and we become an immature Christian, which is what we don't want. Uh, we don't want to be that way. We want to be stable in the Lord. No one says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1, where it says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, as even unto babes in Christ. See, Paul, you know, they decide, you know what? I like that preacher better and that preacher better and that one better. You know what? And they weren't really focusing on Jesus as the Lord of their life and following him faithfully and his word. And he said, look, you're babes. You're just babes. When you're divisive like that, that's babes. You know, when your children are born, you really appreciate when they crawled. 
But when they crawl and they're five years old and they're not walking, you really do wonder what's going on, don't you? You know, and I just praise God, we don't have to crawl spiritually if we're willing to be humble. If we're willing to be usable, if we're willing to extend ourselves, say, God, whatever I can be, I want to do it for you, Lord, because I'm only here for your glory. And working in the kingdom and blessing others is all for his glory. And you do that, I tell you, you'll have a rich, blessed life. It won't be self-centered. It'll be God-centered. It's such a blessed walk. And then, you, then, then when you do that, you, it brings a stability and uh, in, in, in growth into your, situ, into your spiritual climate. You know what it says in 1 Corinthians uh, 14, 20, it says, Brethren, be not children in understanding, howbeit in malice be children, but in understanding be men. Okay. Okay. You know children are. You can, you can fall out with a child and you give them a piece of candy or play with them a bit, and 10 minutes later, you're just good to go. You know, and uh, you know, another child can whack them upside the head. And I mean, they're, they're all upset, you know, kind of. It's nice to talk about children, isn't it? And, uh, but you know, then a little bit later, they're playing together. I mean, in malice be like children. They must be able to forgive or forget one or the other, but either one works. You know, because something can happen and that offense don't last forever. I mean, a long time. It don't last He said, be an understanding like me. In other words, understand how Jesus has forgiven you and me. Be able to do that for your brothers and sisters in the Lord. That brings stability. Yeah, we don't want to be like children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. In other words, not flighty. Not picking up every doctrine that comes down the street. And, you know, I've heard all kinds of things come down the pipe. And people pick it up and say, oh, and I tell you, such a novel thing. Check it closely with the word of God. There's that many new doctrines coming out. I mean, the Bible's been around for 2,000 years, and scholars that make you and me look like simpletons have looked at the word for many, many years. And I, I trust their belief and their convictions. Yeah, this person, when new fads and new world entertainments come up, they see it for what it is. They stay solid in their practice. They don't pick it up. And that's a tremendous blessing. You know, because it says in James 1, verse 6, But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like the wind, uh, is like a wave and a sea driven by the wind and tossed. Yeah. You know, these people want to stay strong in their faith. They don't want their, their convictions undermined. They're not church hoppers. Uh, they're not going from one church to the other. And I know it's popular nowadays. I'm not, I do know there is an adequate reason and a good reason to leave a church. But make sure it is a good one. And they're not just wanting to hop around. Uh, keep, always keep your eternal values. Always keep them. And that keeps us solid. Uh, in other words, and there, there, there are people that want to, to grow in the Lord and grow in his ways, be more encouraging, be more passionate about Jesus. That's what he wants. They don't want to become more passionate about hunting. 
Can I say that? I love to hunt myself, okay? <laughs> so I know how it is to have that uh, uh, tempting desire, if I may say. They don't need to be more hunt, uh, about fishing or hunting uh, uh, trips, spending sprees, yard sale going. They are passionate about that, friends. They're passionate about Jesus. I'm not saying you can't do these things. You've got to keep them in the proper perspective. They're not their passion, okay? And they're not what they talk about after church. Uh, all the time. And not that you can't talk about them at all, but that isn't their passion. You see what I mean? And their longing, their vocation doesn't grip them. It's their walk with the Lord. See, these people are stable and they're wanting to grow. They love the Lord and they want a passion for Him. They want to be faithful to Him. Yeah, there's a lot of things coming around nowadays. We better be careful. Romans 16, 17 says, But I beseech you, brethren, mark them that cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrines which ye have learned. It doesn't stop there. It doesn't say, just be careful and mark them. It says, and avoid them. I think that's good theology for today. You know why? It's God's word. It's God's word. And avoid them. For they that are such serve not their our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Be not like children. Don't take every new thing that comes down the pipe. Check it closely with the word of God. Check it closely with the, 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 the stabilizing doctrines that we believe. There's an Old Testament verse that keeps us pretty solid. Jeremiah 6, 16 says, Thus saith the Lord, stand you in the ways, and see and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and you shall find rest into your souls. Isn't that beautiful? You know what? Maintaining the path, the old way of following Jesus and be settled and not resisting it will give you a lot of rest in your soul. It'll bring a lot of stability. And you know what those people said? You know what the last part of that verse says? But they said, we will not walk in them. Friends, I want to tell you, that's Christendom 2021. And it looks appealing to people and it's not appealing to God. It's not appealing to God. He said, you know what? There's a way that's right. Yeah, it's stability. It's wanting to grow. It's giving up things. It's, you know, and it's not living in the, the passions of recreations or spending the things that the world does. It's not going to be that way. It's crucified lifestyle. You know what? If you want to mature, you, we get to choose to pick that pathway. We get to choose that. It's blessed. And you know what? There's a lot of believers now today that believe that. We can join them. We can be part of that group. Verse 15 and 16. Be brotherly. Now, all of these things all relate to each other, inter, interwoven together, but be brotherly. Verse 15, uh, 15 and 16 says, And speak the truth in love may grow up. And you know, I remember I got telling some children, Children, why don't you grow up? You ever told your children that? 
won't be a little esteemed in that, but you know, it's a good option. If you do this, you know, you could be act your age. You know, there's different ways of saying that, you know. Hmm. And how long have I been a Christian? Well, I don't like that thought. Act your age, okay? Maybe God's saying that about me. May grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working of measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. That is so beautiful. Everything is done by maturing members out of love for Jesus and love for the brother and sisters. I mean, it can be checked by that one point there every time. With, you know, they're, they're doing this and this. In other words, they never do anything for selfish motives. They don't do anything to look good. They don't look to do things to put their brother and sister down. And I've been the recipient of some of those things, and it hurts. But I'm telling you, friends, God gives grace to move on. Right, we can forgive and forget. Well, I, we can forgive and move on and keep forgiving, okay? I don't know why that sometimes our remembrances are good in bad areas. But I must confess I have a little struggle with that. But uh, God cares. Ephesians 4.25 says, Wherefore put away lying, speak every man the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Now I'll just remind us that even though it's the truth, you don't have to tell everybody about it. If it is degrading to your brother or sister, that is not to be proclaimed on the housetop. <laughs> or in the basement either for that matter. You know what I mean? Uh, if you have a concern, and you, we do sometimes have legitimate concerns about our brothers and sisters, there's a biblical way of doing it, and that's going privately to them in love. In love. Privately going there. Because we're all have feet of clay and have made many mistakes ourselves. But he said there, you know, put away lying so you don't warp stories. The truth is a must. You don't put a slant or a spin on a story to make somebody look bad or yourself look better. And remember, if it's the truth, even if it is the truth, if it doesn't build up, don't repeat it. Is that fair? Don't repeat it. Just don't repeat it. The church should be the most loving organization on the face of the earth. It definitely, I think it can be. I think God wants that the way be, uh, to be that way. No wonder it says in 1 Peter 1, verse 22, where it says, Seeing ye have purified your hearts in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned, not pretended love, not a put on love, not a forced on love, a genuine love that is natural, flowing from us, from Jesus to us, to others, not to an unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Now see, that's love with gas on it. That's love and steroids, as they would say today. That, you know, isn't that beautiful? A fervent love. And imagine that can happen when you're sitting there with believers. They don't always think the way you do. They don't always practice the way you do. I mean, that's implied. Now, come on. We are going to try to say the same thing. Okay? We're, we're going to work on that. You know, we want to do that. But that says, in spite of all that, Jesus is going to put gas on your fire, your love fire. You know, he wants us to do that. Another rendering is having purified your soul, souls by the obedience of the truth for a sincere love for the brethren that love 
Love one another earnestly from the heart. Paul knew how to put in some good adjectives. There's a earnestly, you know, from the heart. Now that's a soul that'll help any Christian mature. Yours and theirs. Yours and theirs. You know, if we love each other, wow, what a lovely picture. So this body is function. It works together. Every member's doing its part. You know what I mean? And they're edifying each other. And the hand is saying to the feet, God bless you. You're doing a wonderful job. I'm praying for you. Mind, you've had a bad day. My mind has had a few of those too. I'm praying for you. Yes, indeed. Wow. They work together well. Ephesians 2, 20 to 22, where it says, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built up upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly joined together, growth into a holy temple in the Lord, a holy temple in the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? I'll read one more verse there. In whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. That makes every social club pale in the love and unity that they have. Because this is divine, God-given body that is planned by God and is blessed by God. Because his children are doing all that they can to be an asset to spread his holiness and his love and his blessing to his brothers and sisters to help them, encourage them to be strong in the Lord so they can fight the good fight of faith. Shall we bow our heads for prayer?